Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I'm very good to go. Yes. Look at a picture of Michelle Moon. <laughs> I've never worn one of her. She's in the Times magazine this weekend, we should say. She's Baroness Bra. She's Baroness Bra. I'd never worn one of her bras, the Ultimo. The Ultimo. Yeah. No. What was special about them? Supposedly? So I think they were gel filled. Oh. They were the first gel filled gel. bra, uh, which meant that you just didn't have quite so much wireage. Oh, I see. Okay. On. Oh, yeah. Well. But I remember the Wonder Bra. Do you remember the very, very famous adverts yeah. for Wonder Bras? Mm. Uh, and they were so... It was such a weird thing, wasn't it? I mean, it properly... It was a proper craze. It was a proper thing mm. that suddenly your bra was different. And they were so uncomfortable. I had a Wonder Bra. I don't think I had an Ultimo bra. And I think I wore it once and it was just like, I can't... It was just... Yeah, I couldn't wear it to work. Where did it Where <laughs> did it hurt? So I think just because it, it was so wired, wasn't it? And it pushed your, your bosoms together. Oh, that was the idea. Okay. Yeah, so you just had this... So they could chat. ...huge cleavage. Well, I mean, they were locked in a warm and sweaty embrace. Oh, I see. They were more than chatting. <laughs> and it just wasn't a bra for women. It was a bra for men. But right. it was sold on being a, the ultimate bra for women. It's crazy days. Yeah. But as we know, breasts are just for men. <laughs> Very much so. Are we in France? <laughs> no. Well, they do say that... Um, are we a bit ahead of France in terms of fiery feminist debate? <laughs> I think so, James. Yes. It was a very fun... I don't often... I must be honest. I don't often read the leader in the newspapers. You know, the... Yeah, editorial. Yeah. yeah. But there was very funny one on France today. Saying um, what? Well, just basically uh, saying... You know that the story of that poor lady who'd gone to France... Hoping oh, Paris would, syndrome. Yes, yeah. hoping it would be like Emily in Paris. And she'd bought a beret and she fully expected to be clasped to the collective bosom of the nation. So her video has gone viral on the TikTok. Mm. Yes, yeah. she wasn't happy, was she? Uh, she went to Lyon. Yes, and she didn't speak French. So her argument that nobody they was understand talking... understand English, for God's sake. Her ...was because she wasn't speaking their language. No, okay, well... Yeah, but I didn't realise that it was actually it. It has a name. I mean, it is called the Paris syndrome. Yeah, I had I had not realised that some Japanese people, I think it was all women, had had to be treated in hospital for this syndrome, which is basically disappointment yeah, in travel, grave disappointment with the lack of interest and affection shown to you by by the city of Paris. 
or the people of France. Oh, mon dieu. Yeah, it's, it, it is. I mean, I don't think of them as... I haven't been to Paris for a long time, but it's, I love it because it's so fabulously foreign, but quite close. And it's an intoxic, intoxicating place. But apparently a bit dirty these days, Paris. Yes. Not that London isn't filthy, I should say. Yeah. I'd, uh, we went there quite recently, actually. Um, I went and? there with a child. And I'd never... Because I'd never really been gripped with that, oh, I must go and spend some time in Paris. I must sit looking into the middle distance whilst, you know, perusing my inner Proust. I'd never had that kind of yearning mm. anyway. So I found it just a, yeah, slightly, we were staying quite near the Champs-Élysées, which is just this massive, it's like a motorway with lots of Zaras on either side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it didn't really, it didn't blow our minds with the romance fit all at all. And, and in fact, we ended up having quite a laugh because we were trying to find the romance fit. We put ourselves into a hotel that claimed to have a view of the Eiffel Tower. But honest to God, I mean, you <laughs> you risk losing your life trying to get to that view out of the window on sight. the terrace. Yeah. Only if you were seven foot two would you have been able to see the pointy top of a very... You know, I did a very um, easy to spot landmark. So all of it was just comically a bit, yeah. a bit rubbish. Actually, okay. many many years ago, I did go on. I think what was intended to be a romantic break. But you know how small the hotel rooms are in Paris. I mean, you really do get properly ripped off there. Uh, maybe things have got slightly better now with Airbnb. It's probably not a politically correct thing to say. I don't know. But this was a tiny hotel room, which also one of which other distinguishing features was a bathroom and lavatory so tiny that my then partner who's relatively large couldn't actually shut the door um <laughs> which I've got, it was it just plain wasn't romantic <laughs> I've, I've, i mean i do i i just no it wasn't it no. just wasn't for you no. no no amount of baguettes could make up for that savage and disappointment the other funny thing about going to paris is uh, the amount of queuing done at the eiffel tower because the eiffel tower is like a very very Good-looking man at a party with terrible halitosis. What? So what best do you mean? viewed from afar. Okay. The closer you get, there's no point in going up the Eiffel Tower no. because actually, what you want to see is the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. What you see when you go up the Eiffel Tower is an enormous uh, city landscape uh, of n- not very much merit because actually they don't have That's the. It's a bit harsh. <laughs> Paris, not very much merit. No, so so Notre Dame, Sacré Cœur, lovely, but they don't have a city district of skyscrapers and all that kind of oh, malarkey. Uh, no, so no, no. the view is is quite. I mean, this is like Paris. This, this is Paris syndrome. This is what yeah. we're experiencing. Yes. Even talking about it, well, I suppose we are. Um, so I tell you what, we've absolutely stuffed any chance of being sponsored by the. French tourist board. <laughs> I think we have rather blown that, yeah. Um, anyway, if anybody has, uh, if anybody wants to speak up in favour of Paris and actually in favour of um, the Entente Cordiale and French hospitality. Yeah, and I bet we've got some listeners who live in France. Well, it's and... funny you say that, but I'm not sure. Well, Valérie Perrin uh, was the author who couldn't be bothered coming on the podcast when offered the opportunity when we did our book on the No, book but that's because she didn't speak English and we don't speak well. good enough French. I have an A-level in French. Do you speak good enough French? I would have muddled through. OK. Well, we can go back and do it oh, again. I would just have addressed her in a clear English voice. <laughs> Quite which loud. I strongly suspect she would have understood. OK. <laughs> and don't worry, because uh, when we come back next week on the podcast, we'll be picking on Denmark. <laughs> no, I look, I've already said I think Paris is truly beautiful. I really do. <laughs> it's not what you said. More or less is what I said.
I was just thinking about that. It reminds me of when my German pen pal came to stay for the weekend. Not weekend, fortnight it was she was with us back in the early 80s. My mum, she just, she honestly, God love her, she just shouted at her in English. Um, Do you like marmalade? <laughs> I don't think they have it in Germany, Mum. Marmalade! It just, why do people do that? I think that is, it's something that the British have got absolutely nothing to be proud of. Our attitude to I languages. think the way we travel abroad is pretty rubbish. No, well, the way we treat foreign guests here is not always <laughs> what it could be. Anyway, uh, right, um, we need to get on. We do. Let's crack on. Le crack, le on. Uh, this one comes from Jackie, who says, thank you for reading out my email as a follow-up. So I thought, was it Jackie? <laughs> Simon Abon's Ordinary World. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, by the way, that's not what she described, but it no, was I thought you were, what I'd a, inserted I because it was, it was a very rude word. And actually, there was an email on the on the show today that I hadn't read through properly mm. before reading it out. No, and it was somebody talking about porn and then going on about fannying around. Honestly, I do feel for you. I feel, fear for you. Feel we for made you. it through. It was okay. <laughs> Uh, here we go. Uh, I didn't include the fact that I'd also met Simon Le Bon in a lift in Liberty when I was about 11 years old. So we've got this double whammy thing going on, haven't we, with Sting and now with Simon Le Bon? Yeah, some people just seem to be very meetable, notably Sting and Simon Le Bon. Uh, do you think they're just permanently travelling around? I just think they're in circulation 24-7 somewhere in the world, oh. yeah. Um, Jackie says at the time I was more of a police fan spooky sting link so I deliberately ignored him I then saw the error of my ways and went full on Durrani I've seen DD a number of times first of all right at the front at Wembley for the Seven and the Ragged Tiger Tour in 1983 I threw every piece of jewellery and button badge I had on stage including one that hit Simon <laughs> to me pointed it's not funny no. and said was that you I practically fainted on the spot I then decided to bookend my DD gig days with a right at the front of Earl's Court in the early 2000s but I just can't stop I saw them at Hyde Park a couple of years ago and I've just bought tickets with posh tenting for Latitude in July and I'm hoping you'll be there again this year and I can be full fangirl for you too well Jack I'm going to duck yeah, oh, the room. not with her record. I must be joking. Yeah. Uh, latitude, yes, it wasn't good weather last year. Or was no, it was. Do you remember how wet it was? It was very wet. It was so wet we got a full tent. Yep, it was very very squidgy underfoot. Yeah. wasn't it? Well, people were just seeking sanctuary they in the were. tent that we were performing in. Yeah, um, we've been talking about feedback that there's nothing you can do about, and it was started because Beck emailed to say that a former amour of hers had. What was it he said to her? Um, that uh, she was quite attractive, but he, he wouldn't call her pretty. Yes, but you're not pretty. No, she's lovely. Or, or maybe on a good day you can be pretty. Well, Kathleen says, a former boyfriend once accused me of being too tall. I am 5'10", and thus embarrassing him, 5'8". You will not be surprised to hear the relationship didn't last. No, I'm not surprised. Uh, then there's this from Iona, an American man. It is funnier in the accent. One said to me, you're kind of... I won't attempt the accent. I'll do it in a very English accent. You're kinder funny looking, but in some lights you're beautiful. Every now and then I remember this, and it always makes me laugh so hard I cry. I recently heard that his partner had run off with her personal trainer. It shouldn't have made me smile, but I am only human. <laughs> but it's made me smile too. So. <laughs> Sorry to hear about Iona's, Iona's ex and the terrible thing that happened to him when his partner buggered off with her personal trainer. Very sorry indeed. Very, very sorry. How awful. Beck says, dear Jane, yes, it was a man. Dear Fee, yes, he was a tosspot. 
just you just read that out in every episode, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, right, cook breakfasts. This one comes in from Naomi, who says, I had to pause listening to you both and write this. My husband loves to have the whole family sitting down for a cooked breakfast and our children, now 14 and 11, and our beloved cat. She has her own seat in the corner near the window to keep an eye on the birds outside. If one of us isn't there, she often will come over and sit in their seat. Her sweet little head only just above the table oh. and licks her lips at times in anticipation of someone's meaty scraps a bit. She does. Uh, we do also have a line, though, that no food is to be given to her on the table, only the floor. And with that, she has to sit on command. Oh. I don't think you get a cat to sit on command. That's yeah. amazing. Really? Uh, we don't always get to have dinner together because of so many clubs, work life, etc. But breakfast gives us that important touchstone for the day, all the family unit getting together before we all get busy. So some people are doing it. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. Honestly, I am. Because you do sometimes wonder what's happened to... I'm sounding rather sort of somebody from the 1970s. But you do wonder what's happened to the family meal. And also, the dining the dining room doesn't exist anymore, does no, it? we're all just gathered around the island. Yeah, that's right. We're sitting around your silly island on high stools. Island. I mean, where did that come from? God's sake. We're very fond of ours. Mm, sorry. <laughs> Uh, don't forget. Well, well, it gets just the word island. What's wrong with the word island? We'll just call it. What would you call it? It's not a table. It's a. It's an island. It's like a hub. A hub. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're all sitting around our kitchen hub. Yeah. Not quite the same, is it? Uh, next week we are going to talk, as we've said. Are you uh, this sure you're week. not my mother? <laughs> well, um, I've checked. And I rang your mother and just made sure of all the information. Do you know what? If you'd rung my mother, my mother would have rung me. Would she? <laughs> oh, yes. She certainly <laughs> to would. To complain. <laughs> yes. Um, next week, we are talking about porn. And uh, this is my serious voice there. You'll have noticed the change. Uh, focus on porn is what we're calling the week. There was a little bit of heartache about what to call it. Uh, and that's what we're calling it now. Is that right? I think it is. And I mean, if you're, you know, slightly kind of smirking away at that, so were we. But that's what we're doing. Mm. We're sticking with it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, and we've got some interviews already, which have already been done. Now, you've talked to the Children's Commissioner, haven't you? A lady called Dame Rachel D'Souza. And she's fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure she's very interested because these, this week these god-awful figures came out about uh, child abuse and how, uh, is it almost half of the people accused of child abuse in the UK are now under 18? Yeah, so it's, it's acts being perpetrated yeah. by children on children. Right, and we should make it clear that some of those acts are consensual and involve the sharing of explicit images. So uh, you could argue about whether you wouldn't necessarily want, and I think the police official who was questioned on this made it very clear that he wouldn't want to criminalise people, young people. No, but we're, it's why we're doing the the, uh, the the series of features, isn't it? Because uh, it's a topic that seems to have taken an awful lot of people by surprise mm. with the amount of harm that's being done, just the enormity of the problems being caused against a background of an industry that's thriving because people are enjoying it so much. Yeah, and it, it just, there's no doubt about it, some parts of this are deeply uncomfortable uh, and worse than that. Uh, so also on Monday, we're going to talk to Dr Fiona Vera Gray, who is a leading researcher on the link between porn 
and violence against women. And then later in the week, there's an interview with Sean Russell, who will tell us about his experience with porn addiction. And you'll hear too from Erica Lust, who has made a porn herself ethically and with a feminist slant. And then on Thursday, we'll talk to Lucy Whitehouse, who is the founder and CEO of a sex education organisation called Fumble. So that's next week. But uh, I just want to say thanks for all the emails we've had so far. Um, and you can keep them coming to Jane and Fee at times.radio. Your own experiences, your own thoughts. Uh, and if you're horrified or if you're a fully paid up porn enthusiast, uh, then we're more than happy to consider every single point of view. We just want to hear from almost anyone who's got any, I was going to say skin in the game. But I instantly, of course, you regret that. Nearly every phrase that you I know, that's the problem. head towards yeah. might have some kind of a double entendre. Yeah, but we're, we're, not, we're not laughing about any of this because God knows it really can yep. impact on lives. So it's Jane and Fee at times.radio. Uh, morning from Perth, Australia. Uh, this comes from a very hot Sasha. Menopause in an Australian summer is tough going. Oh, I, I bet it is. Uh, Jane's comment about Fee's slogan, women end up with a partner they think they're worth, that came from a listener. I can't claim that's my own at all. Should be on a badge. Uh, it made me think of a wall in a hotel I stayed at in Washington, D.C. Last August, I went on an incredible trip to New York City, Niagara Falls and Washington with my bestie, Tina, who incidentally introduced me to your podcast in the other place just after you'd started it. Well done, Tina. What a bestie. Early adopter. And her two teenage daughters to celebrate big birthdays we both had. What a lovely trip. Um, Tina booked a hotel in Washington due to the fact that it promoted art by women. Three of the walls in the lobby and dining room were covered in badges with the best slogans on, such as a woman's place is wherever the hell she wants it to be. And on one wall, a huge portrait of Ruth Bader Ginsburg made from tampons. Photos attached. The art sent such a powerful message to the teenagers. And... Uh, RBG uh, has been kind of deified, hasn't she? Rightly so, but in so many wonderful ways. We have a colouring book of images of her. Yes, right. you can just, you know, you do the dot to dot colouring in stuff. And here she is uh, in tampons. It's a very, very good picture, actually. And uh, I wonder why her, more than other feminist icons, have been so wonderfully depicted in quite kind of humorous ways, actually. What is what is it about can I, her? Can I ask a question? I hope it's not uh, tasteless. Yeah. Just unused tampons. They've just used packeted yes. tampons here and yeah. just arranged them. Okay. Uh, I mean, not... you could make some very powerful feminist art with um, used tampons, couldn't you, if you wanted to? You could. Well, maybe that's something that uh, that we can use to venerate you. When the time comes... Very, very long way in the future. Well, I'm not there yet, Fee, but what a lovely thought. I shall be hovering on my cloud in the afterlife. Actually, that's not a very nice thought, I've decided, <laughs> and I'm going to move on. But let's briefly uh, reference American politics, as we were talking there about a pivotal American figure. Yeah. Uh, because do you remember that on our show today we had that um, Republican strategist, Brian Lanza? We did. And he's terribly well-connected, and he came out with... Some, well, he sounded as though... He sounded as though he was very much in the know about who Donald Trump was going to consider picking as his vice presidential running mate. And they were two names that I confess didn't mean a great deal to me because I keep I've been banging on about Nikki Haley as possibly being somebody to watch. Not according to him, because he said the two names in the running, in, as far as Trump is thinking is concerned, are Tim Scott and Christy Nome. And I'm just putting it out there so people who didn't hear the Times radio programme that these are. 
people you might want to find out a bit about. Mm. Because there's no... If, if Donald Trump does win the election, and we have to start thinking about this as a serious possibility, he'll be very old too, won't he? He will, and his running mate will be a really, really key figure. Yeah, and really. if you think about all of the vice presidents of recent years, they, f- they fill a role, don't they? Not, mm. not always in a terribly good way, Jane. So I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm passing on that tidbit from a man who he didn't have, he wasn't exactly burdened with huge amounts of self-doubt, was he? So it was like he knew, you know. Because I, I mean, you and I, me, I'm so burdened with self-doubt, sometimes I can't get through the day. I've often thought that's the difference between us, actually, that you're burdened with self-belief and I'm burdened <laughs> with self-doubt and that's why it works. I tell you what, I just want to pay tribute to you because you are, by some margin, the fastest walker I have <laughs> ever met. And we'll investigate this in more detail in next week's podcast, but we're serious journalists and we must move on to the subject of trimmings. This is from Anna. Uh, I mentioned trimmings because it always crops up at Christmas and that word just drives me insane. After a rubbish time at uni, says Anna, some of my happiest years were living with my two best friends from school when we all moved to London, bringing our Scouse accents with us. If we cooked Mexican food on a weeknight, it would simply be fajitas, but at the weekend, we might include various sides, loaded nachos, guacamole, refried beans, etc. And we called this Mexican with all the trimmings. People should not be restricted to using that word at Christmas or even within a culinary setting. A bath, for example, with all the trimmings is a lovely way to relax at the end of the week. Good thinking, Anna. I like that. Let's welcome that word trimmings into our everyday life and not keep it just for Christmas. When you like a dog reading out uh, the Mexican feast, I'd like to order that right now. Yeah, I wouldn't it's mind, got all actually. the good bits in it, hasn't it? I don't well, you say that. I'm never sure about refried beans because they come you can get tins of refried. What does it mean? I don't think it's complex, is it? Well, they've refried they fried beans twice and then stuck them in a tin. I think so. Doesn't sound very hygienic. Well, I think you you just add the you add some spices and chilies and stuff, don't you? And you refry and then you fry them. No, in the original fry, you add all the spices and the stuff, and then you refry them. So if you're really bone idle, you can buy a tin of refried beans. And put it in the microwave. It does the same thing, doesn't it? Right, okay. I'm sure it's a big hit down Mexico way. (laughs) Well, I think... Yes, Jane, I think that is what's happened. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, right, shall we go into our big guests? Well, we've talked today about children's books and I'm hoping that this, the following interview will inspire some emails on the subject of children's books that you are reading now or your children or grandchildren are reading now. Uh, books that you think will stand the test of time and be will be, I don't know, treasured for many decades to come because uh, everyone's agreed that everyone, every child needs to read and they need to be encouraged to read. But it can be very difficult for adults to point them in the right direction and away 
from the classic celebrity authors who do tend to dominate the field at the moment. So I talk today to Nadia Shireen, author of the wonderful book Barbara Throws a Wobbler and the Grimwood series, and to Frank Cottrell-Boyce, the man who has won the Carnegie Medal for his writing. He dominated an edition of Celebrity University Challenge, you might well recall it with fondness. He represented Keeble College, Oxford, and answered almost every question himself. None of the other teammates got a word in. It also ended ignominiously for Keeble's opponents, Reading University. Uh, so a lot of people who love Celebrity University Challenge will uh, be able to understand what I'm getting at here. Uh, he also, Frank, wrote the London Olympics opening ceremony. So the podcast they've made together about uh, children's books is called The Island of Brilliant. Uh, Nadia told me more about it. I mean, I wish that I could say that we clearly thought this out. It was like most things that I do. And I think Frank does. We just said, yep, that's a good idea. Let's do it. And we do it first and think later. But it was kind of a response to the fact that we just don't hear much conversation about children's books. That's fun and interesting and not tied to some depressing news angle about some controversy about a dead author, you know, edits that have been made to their books. We just like, could we just maybe make a nice, pleasant, informative, hopefully funny and entertaining space? It's, yes, it's a space. It's a concept. I mean, you're on this island, you and Frank. Right. I'm stuck on a desert island with Frank Cockrell's voice. And that <laughs> never is, stops complaining let me it. tell you, that is a nightmare. It's, what's, what, no, I'm not even going to ask. Um, actually, interestingly, Nadia, you have said that as a child, you didn't read too many children's books. Now, is that right? It is right. I was a voracious reader. I was always a reader. I was brought up in a house of books. However, they were not children's books necessarily. So we didn't have, you know, I didn't have bookshelves full of all the classics. You know, we didn't have the classics, but I had... I had some hand-me-down Eda Blytons and some Roald Dahls, but beyond that, the house was full of Agatha Christie's and P.G. Woodhouse. And, you know, I would read at school, but I didn't have um, an understanding of the great canon of children's literature. Now, that's partly because my parents were immigrants in the late 70s, and they are readers. They were readers, but they didn't necessarily have that same... I would say it's a particularly British kind of cultural thing that certainly many of my contemporaries or people my age whose parents were born in this country, they're like, oh, yes, we love that book. We know that book. My mum used to read that book to me. I didn't necessarily have that. What did you read, Frank? I read everything. I'm the opposite of Nadia. That She doesn't need to read anything because I've read it all already. And I just fill her in. <laughs> when I was little, we lived in a flat on Stanley Road in Kirkdale. And we lived with my gran. It was a two-bedroom <laughs> flat. And my gran had one bedroom and the four of us had the other. So my mum spent every waking minute in the library across the road because it was like a warm, welcoming space, which was not did not have my gran glowering at her in it. So I think that was the pull. <laughs> yes. You know, it was like somewhere to be peaceful. Yeah. So I, I just read everything in there. And I, I think it was just a lovely place to be. You know, it wasn't so much the books. It was the fact that, A, it was nearby, which is important, and that it was just lovely. It was a lovely sort of peaceful, safe space. But the books that I remember from my early, early years were, were the Ina Blyton Ship of Adventure, stories like that. Right. Now, I grew up not very far away from you. Certainly, I wasn't underprivileged in any way, but there was no boarding school or, or sailing holidays or chalets in Switzerland or anything like that. But I didn't care. I mean, does yeah. that matter to kids, that sort of thing? 
I mean, we're supposed to think it does, but like, obviously, Harry Potter kind of refitted all those boarding school fantasies and people embraced it. I think, obviously, it depends on the kid. I can remember being annoyed by some of those Enid Blyton books just because they had so much freedom. It's like they'd say to them, it wasn't the privilege, it wasn't the money, it was the, like turning around to your mum and dad going, yeah. We're thinking of going off in a caravan for a few weeks. Is that all right? And the mum going, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Take some boiled eggs. I know. <laughs> I was so jealous. I was so jealous. So we used to read the them. To and range. I read them kind of wide-eyed in wonder, like, listen to this. They get to do all this stuff and their aunt and uncle don't care what they're up to. It's amazing. Yeah. And then um, as I got older and those same books were lying around, me and my brother used to, this is going to sound terrible and I'm sorry, but we used to deface them and add jokes in and kind of, oh, wow. and then we'd really laugh. We'd really laugh sometimes at some of the boarding school books because they'd talk about Clarissa, the wild gypsy girl. And we'd be giggling because <laughs> we'd be like, oh, right, so she's she's literally brown. And we just thought this was hilarious. So we oh, didn't, right, yeah, I, I, I wish I could say that as a young child, I was kind of righteously angry about it. I was amused by how, sort of weird the world was. I listened to uh, an episode of The Island of Brilliant today and it was the one in which you invite the the writer J.T. Williams, who is a new name to me, writes historical fiction and she has these two characters who basically just dart around having the kind of amazing adventures the Famous Five did back in the day. But it's a long time ago. The adventures are set quite some time ago. So tell me about those books, Frank. I mean, they're astonishing, aren't they? So, so that, and, and she fits in very much with what we found about the podcast. That there's so much depth to her. You know, these are children's books, but this, she has so much historical knowledge. These books are set in 18th century London. They're basically Cagney and Lacey. They're kind of two, yeah. two young women detectives going around foiling things. But they're based on real 18th century literary figures, two young women of colour in London. So it's Lizzie and Belle. One is the daughter of Ignacio Sanchez, who was a kind of big... He'd been a slave, but he'd ended up in London and become kind of a figure in London literary life. He's a publisher. He had this beautiful correspondent with the author of Tristram Shandy, and that Dido is this sort of... The other one is this uh, young aristocrat. And they're sort of great detective stories. They're a great window into a kind of lost world of 18th century multicultural London. They're full of energy and she had done so much work which she carried so lightly. Mm. We started focusing on books and kind of informing people about what the choice was there but these have been amazing interviews about people's creativity. So yeah. for, for yeah. Joanne, for JT, so... it was like her historical research but we also talked to Ed Via, who was a picture book artist and he talked about his influences and we had an amazing interview with John Classen who wrote This Is Not My Hat and I Want My Hat Back and that, they were like Paris Review interviews full of yeah. wisdom and full of insight and full of fun. What you're both illustrating is that patronise children at your peril because they deserve the same amount of detail, the same amount of research. I mean, you're nodding, Nadia. It's that they must be treated with respect as readers. Absolutely. I'm an author and illustrator of children's books as well. And one of the great unexpected pleasures of my job is that I go to schools and I chat with kids and I talk to them about my job and we do, you know, story sessions. They are not to be trifled with. They are really, their they're sense of humour is sophisticated. They want to know more. Why did you write that story? What are your influences? I'm always taken aback by how intelligent the questions are. And I think they can see, you know, we talk a lot about modelling for children, you know, as parents of model behaviour for children. So if they see adults talking about children's books with interest and respect and passion, it follows that they may decide to look at their books in that way yeah I mean we, I hope 
Can we just have a brief chat about the, the cult of the celebrity author? There are, we don't need to name names. Everybody knows the names, unfortunately. Um, when will these people stop? <laughs> it's almost become like people who have, I mean, it's a tricky one because there are some writers who write for other mediums like telly and whatever, and they write, they've just chosen to write a children's book. And I can understand that. And I don't want to be pointing fingers and telling people you can't write things. But I suppose it's dispiriting that so much coverage is given to a certain type of celebrity and they will be on a TV show plugging their latest thing. That could be a perfume or it could be a children's book. When children's books have become kind of, you know, they're a commodity that you just, they're, they're part of the celebrity portfolio. I find that depressing. Mm. But, you know, you can't necessarily blame the individual. It's the machinery around it. Why are they the ones on the radio, on telly, um, why do they get the shelf space? I, you know, it, we just need more breadth. And hopefully the Island of Brilliant is a way, a very small way of just saying, that's great, but look, there are also these other authors out there. So just yeah. one final quick question, Frank. Who, are parents meant to listen to this with their children or is it for parents to then go away and encourage their children to pick well, up a certain book? To me, it feels quite, it's very lighthearted. It wears itself lightly. Guests are supposed to arrive in funny ways and they bring treats and it's all good fun. But the they're, they're quite substantial, these interviews. You know, I think so. Anybody who's interested in creativity would love to listen to the John Classen one, for instance, you know. So mm. I, I, anybody who's interested in, in literature at all should listen to it. But I think the original purpose was to spread knowledge of proper books by proper writers that are going to really abide. Yeah. You know, you've talked about breadth, but depth is important as well. You know, that these are substantial books that if you read them, the books that I read when I was 10, 11, 12, have stayed with me for the rest of my life. And that's because somebody really gave themselves to the writing of those books and that they were they were really giving all of themselves to me in that and that, that generosity and that commitment is there and if you listen to these interviews you'll see that it, it's also maybe worth mentioning you know to any teachers or parents out there yeah. or people who uh give books or, or to kids or are interested to understand who's out there we also have uh recommendations from emily book oh, trust who work, uh, emily drabble who works at the charity book trust and every episode she gives us a list of the five great recent books that she's read and they go from picture books um to young adult books and everything in between and she's independent she gets sent these books by every publisher yeah. in the country so she provides a great yeah, overview she's the top when, 10 you know, frank and i she? maybe can't keep on top of it all but she yeah. does her chart yeah. rundown yeah can i just have a rock solid recommendation of a children's book from you both that people might not have heard about oh that's go a on, tricky Nadia. one i'm gonna go for the skull by John Classen. Uh, we did interview John on our... Sorry, Frank, if I took that one from you. Uh, it's such a strange book. It's heavily illustrated. It's extremely creepy. It's based on the Tyrolean folktale about a girl who finds an abandoned skull. And it's spooky and yet very funny. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's a really amazing piece of work. It's very short, but it's really got some clout to it. Without sounding creepy, I am going to recommend Grimwood by Nadia Shireen. You're <laughs> not. Yay! I know that's wrong, but they're so good. They're so funny. And they're like kind of, if you can imagine like a punk rock, Wind in the Willows, that's what you've got there. And it's about urban wildlife that is in the countryside and doesn't feel comfortable with it. It's so good. Oh, that sounds good. Punk rock, Wind in the Willows. I'll go for that. Um, I did not pay Frank to say well, that. Well, I'm afraid there's very little evidence of that, Nadia. It suggests <laughs> to me that payola is going on. Frank Cottrell Boyce, bigging up his mate Nadia's 
brilliant children's books, Grimwood. And I very much hope you take uh, inspiration from that conversation. and It sets you thinking about good books for our youngsters. Would you ever write a children's book? No, because I'm one of those people... Well, as you say that, of course, you think, first of all, you can earn loads of money and they're not, they're, they're not very long. So how hard can it be? And then you realise you can't do it, otherwise you would have done. Yeah, but I think an awful lot of people, they they don't stop that thought, do they? They don't come to that conclusion. No. So that the as you talk about in that interview, well, Nadia's belief that yeah, it's just become another thing that celebs do. Yeah. So yeah. you go on a reality show, mm. uh, and you get a podcast. Yeah. And you write a children's book or a young adult book yeah. if you're particularly thrusting, mm. and that is all part of the celebrity kind of pyramid isn't it and it's not fair on people who are hugely gifted writers for children and i think also what's not great about it um i mean aside from that point that you take away from truly gifted writers uh, is that the tone of them does all really seem to be a bit pulpy and the same because Mm. it's that you know uh, good triumphs over evil and you know a child finds himself in a position of adversity and then along comes a, an adult who disappoints them along comes a young person who doesn't and if you're very good everything will work out in the end and actually I'm just writing all that down so I, it can help me with my book but it's That's just good. so it's actually not really it isn't how life well, works well i'm afraid often in life bad people do really well it's yes a terrible lesson isn't it yeah. We've all got to learn it. But there's nothing of the, <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing very true, is there, being imparted by somebody whose life has had that celebrity trajectory. There is none of that in those books. They are then concocting an old-fashioned story mm. of you know work really hard and somebody will see your true light and it'll all be okay in the end. But that's not what they've done. I mean, they might as well just write a book saying, "Plump your lips up." <laughs> <laughs> bitch about your friends on television and on the Insta. And get a good and agent. Get, and get here. Get to where I Sharp am. elbows. Bullshit planet. <laughs> so that. Exactly that. Right. Okay. Oh, a sort of fiery end to what has been uh, a very enjoyable week here on Off Air. Uh, thank you. Here on Off Air, I speak as though it's a place. It kind of is. I think it's a planet. <laughs> It's uh, yes, it's good in its own atmosphere. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Jane and Fee at Times Radio have uh, a decent couple of days, and we'll be back on Monday. And yes, we do want to know more about what you think about porn, or actually, you might be. Um, we might be one. There must be people who've never seen it, never read uh, anything erotic, never had the faintest desire to explore this world. They must exist, those people. They really must. Along with people who, frankly, can't leave it alone but wish they could. I mean, it's it's a spectrum. There's no doubt about that. And don't forget, on Monday, we're picking on Denmark. Well, other countries... No, Denmark. We'll give them a, we'll give them a going over. If you're living there at the moment, brace yourselves. <laughs> I don't like their bacon. We're bringing the shutters down on another episode of the internationally acclaimed podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. 
Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. But don't forget that you can get another two hours of us every Monday to Thursday afternoon here on Times Radio. We start at 3pm and you can listen for free on your smart speaker. Just shout Play Times Radio at it. Uh, You can also get us on DAB Radio in the car or on the Times Radio app whilst you're out and about being extremely busy. And you can follow all our tosh behind the mic and elsewhere on our Instagram account. Just go onto Insta and search for Jane and Fee and give us a follow. So in other words, we're everywhere, aren't we, Jane? Pretty much everywhere. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.